I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And we are track walking. Today, we are going to pick Scott's melted brain. Um, yeah. Because Scott did a thing and we need to talk about it. Scott, what, what thing did you do? I went to a racetrack. Uh, first time since November. So it's been a minute. I, I had a longer off season than a week like some other people. So what, what racetrack did you go to? We went all the way down, which is one of the longest drives we have outside of the one lap of America to the national Corvette museum track. That seems motorsports park. Yeah. National Corvette motorsports park. No national Corvette museum track. Isn't that what it is? I think it's motorsports park. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, that's motorsport. That could be. That seems idiotic for a variety of reasons. The primary being like there are tracks, many tracks that are closer to you. And driving yes. to NCM for a shakedown seems dumb. But you have yeah. reasons? Yeah, it wasn't even for a race. No, yeah, that's the thing. Is this is this is like your shakedown. I'm learning to do awesome things. Maybe my car works type weekend. Yeah? Maybe. <laughs> it might work. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, so the the plan last beginning of last year after the K swap is I really went into it intentionally, kind of knowing that the power was the the lowest hanging fruit to get our car and our times closer to the front of the field. So after we were done with the swap and breaks that kind of needed to go along with that, um, a lot of this season was really, is, and this is feels like it's going to sound terrible, was really comparing myself to the rest of the field. Where do I fit? Where do I place? Where? Who's better? Who can I sometimes beat? Who, who am I usually around? And basically the metric for myself was everybody else. Is that uh, other than other than the ego involved in that, was there anything specific? Like I want to compare everybody to see how I need to get better or just like what's, yeah. I mean, that was it the was, point. Yeah. It was where, where do I actually fall in this? Like, Am I actually like? Do I have any raw talent? Am I good this, enough to bother of, like, continuing this experiment? Sure, that's fair. <laughs> um, and raw talent-wise, I would say I'm limited, to be honest. All right. <laughs> um, but towards the end of the season, uh, the yeah the weekends were really pretty stressful. Um, even just driving out on track with uh, the fellow GLTCers, it's um, it's just frustrating. I was never in my car. I was always measuring myself, and I was always paying attention more to what other people were than I was to how I was driving the car, what the car needed for me, um, and that I think that's to. That was to actually my driving detriment and compound that with the fact that I was instructing all of last year as well. 
that that download time at the end of a uh, race or qualifying session practice whatever just wasn't there did you have and did you have any yeah. weekends in the second half of the year especially that were not race weekends no okay nope all race all race all the time <laughs> um we did go to the event that shall not be named at gingerman uh but that was really i want to say that was like june right it was still pretty early on uh and that was fun that was a good time but yeah all of our kind of fun events were right at the beginning of last year and then it kind of amped up into race season after that and so being an instructor and talking about this sport and hobby the way that we do um i knew that coaching was and is an important thing to do even if you yourself are a coach and we happen to know somebody who does that uh in the body of Tom O'Gorman. And so I talked to Tom on the off season and thanks for a very generous anonymous gift. Um, I was able to bring Tom out to NCM and have him coach me for a weekend, which spoiler alert was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, I, I once yeah. heard somebody say, ask your coach who their coach is. And if your coach doesn't have a coach, you should find a different coach. Yeah, I think that's good. Because I the best coaches good. are people who can acknowledge in themselves that they also need, you know, outside help, uh, outside viewpoints um, on their yeah. own thing. So, um, And always learning. Yeah, so this is if, if somebody is like one of Scott's students and they're like, whoa, 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 Scott still needs help. Why is he teaching me? And I think, you know, <laughs> the thing is yeah. everybody, even like every Formula One driver has a driving coach. Yes. Um, and yep, so there, there's nobody who drives cars who doesn't need some coaching from somebody. Which is strange because we are really one of the sports where that's, almost a foreign idea because if you go to basketball you have a coach if you go play golf if you want to get better you get a coach these things are just part of the sport and for some reason in driving they're usually available to you but very few people actually take them up but that may go to the I forget who the quote is, but the, the two things that you can never teach a man to do because he already knows how to do them. Right. <laughs> one Although, of, one uh, of those being driving. My argument would be that, that that's actually something that's fairly unique to the sphere that of driving that we occupy. Um, because when I look at, at driving, when I look at karting, the world of karting is all about coaching. Um, and that's interesting that is a that is driving that people tend to enter when they're younger or or the majority of carters enter it at a young age and so coaching is natural for people 
And I wonder if part of the reason, like you said, you can't teach a man to do stuff is, is because most people who start driving uh, streetcars, if you will, on track, start as adults. This is not a hobby that you start as children. It's a hobby you start as adults. And any hobby that, that a whole bunch of children are involved in naturally has coaching. Yes, and I wonder if the the other aspect to that is that generally if you're in a cart, you're looking to move up. You're looking to improve and what is next, like to make it to that next level, to right. make it to a open wheel formula car and then to F3 and F2, et cetera, et cetera. However, the hierarchy works now. Like there's always that next level. Right. So it's like if you want to get there like, and you don't have a coach, you're not using every available thing to you. And you can pretty much guarantee that your competition will be using everything right. to their advantage. Um, and really the reason I wanted to is, you know, kind of especially going into NOLA last year, I... I kind of had the awareness of what I had been doing and just didn't want to do that anymore. I really wanted to be fully in my car, in the zone, flow state, focused on what I needed to do, but still very aware of the people around me and the cars around me and working with them to get around the racetrack, but in my car doing what my car needs me to do to be as fast as possible. And that's something I think that, um, I don't want to say I lost last year, but definitely was pushed to the side. So I contacted Tomo and, um, Tomo, Tomo Gorman, Tomo. And, um, yeah, he said he's was free this weekend. And so he came down and we spent two not rainy days at, NCM and we've got a GLTC race coming up there in a month so on the one hand it seemed like a great idea to get some practice and coaching straight off the bat this year just right out of the gate and at the same time become more familiar with NCM which is a very complex course I would agree with that and um Previous to this weekend, I had a total of nine hot laps over two years. <laughs> and I quadrupled that like in part of a day. <laughs> so, were you running yeah, with what, what organization? Were you running with this weekend? Binge Tokyo. Binge Tokyo. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Regional. Uh, really good group of people. Uh, it was it was good. Okay. Ran smoothly. Had one oil down, uh, and I think one toe. But you know they got it handled, and the drivers they had you know your four run groups: beginner, intermediate one, intermediate two, and then advanced, which is what I did. So while we were allowed to do open passing, you know point buys are always encouraged and. I think everybody, for the most part, did a really, really good job with that. So it was good. Fantastic. It's always good to land in a good group, especially when you're trying to accomplish 
a task. You're not just playing because that's one less thing you have yeah. to worry about. Um, and with very different cars than I usually get to play with on tracks. Um, were you usually, the slow you know, guy? They're, I was not the slow guy, and that was kind of a, I don't want to say an eye-opener, but when when you swim in the sphere of GLTC mid-pack, it feels like you're really, really average right. because you're in the mid-pack of GLTC. Um, I was one of the faster cars at the track with my 200-horsepower Miata, and that didn't feel terrible, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You know, get. I mean, we were playing with uh, ZR1s, C8 Corvettes, uh, a lot of 911 GT3s. G, uh, there's GT2 out there as well. I mean, a lot of a lot of quick stuff out there, and we we did just fine for ourselves. Nice. But um, I think what's most important to me is I. That's not really what I was focusing on. I was really focused on what I was doing and how to get better. And I feel like we did that. What's uh, the we started out? What's the yeah, process? What's the what's the I'm spending a weekend with Tomo um at a at a lovely getaway Kentucky. <laughs> so I sent him the videos that I had uh from when I did drive NCM, granted the car has changed significantly since then. Uh, we kind of run in the same circle, so he's seen me drive firsthand. Um, we've talked quite a bit as well, so it's we're more familiar with each other. So there were some things that we could, I don't want to say skip, but we could move past a little bit more quickly. And he... Uh, you know, took that, kind of set out a game plan uh, that, you know, we'd meet there, you know, we'd both get there Friday night, but then we would meet at the track Saturday morning. And, you know, first session out is just go out there, feel it out, and uh, let's talk about it afterwards, basically. And one of his initial questions is, you know, what, what do you want to get out of this? Like what's the what's the end goal? And for me it was to of course, sure, yeah, go faster at the track, but to gain skills that would be translatable to every track I go to. And to gain a better awareness of myself and the car that would also translate to not only that track, but Did you have an idea? Did you have an idea of what those skills would be going into the weekend, or were you relying on Tom to identify what skills needed improvement? So my goal kind of coming into this year was to get better under brakes and on entry. And over the course of the weekend, uh, Tom did drive my car for a few laps to set a, a, a good data lap for us to be able to compare and it the in, entries kind of but it was really in the high speed stuff that stood out the most and that I really had to focus on so NCM there's a lot of high speed entries right with some sustained high speed 
like entering for a GLTC car entering a corner at 125. Um, which took some trust <laughs> and some easing into. Um, but, you know, and part of the, the une- unexpected part for me is after Tom drove my car and me kind of explaining the car prior, like he was able to, okay. I get it now. Like I was in the car. I felt what you felt. Here's what your car doesn't like to do. Here's what your car does like to do. So let's minimize the don'ts and maximize the do's. Um, and that's super helpful. And again, something that will every racetrack we go to will be helpful. From this one weekend, there's immediate things that I can change at Mid-Ohio, Gingerman, auto like every single track we go to so you know we weren't just working on me getting better at ncm we were working on me being a better driver and over the course too becky and i always kind of do the you know the headset stuff so we can talk to one another um i didn't do it intentionally but i talked to her a lot less like a lot a lot less and I help. I found that that instead of trying to verbalize and get things out, I kept everything in, and I was able to maintain focus better that way. Okay. So this season, I think that's something I'm gonna implement as well. You're gonna do the the is it Kimi Raikkonen the whole leave me alone? Leave, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still like if um. There was actually a great article on uh, Speed Secrets, Ross Bentley's um, newsletter on how to talk to drivers over the radio. And it's actually the first time I had ever come across an article talking specifically about that. Okay. And I I forwarded Becky the the article because I, I found it interesting. Um, I think she did too. And part of it is... Um, you know, keep your messages short but understandable and preferably at the same point on the track every time so that the driver begins to, in their mind, anticipate that rather than being shocked by something coming across at, at this point. Okay, came out of this corner, straighten it up, wait for communications. So it be- can become like another another marker on track for you um so yeah the the coaching aspect was hugely helpful um i'm the times reflected that um i didn't quite get the time i think that tamo and i were both hoping i would get to but i know how to get it i just need to go back and and do it (laughs) basically (laughs) one of those i just need to be better things yeah just yeah. just be better you know and you know even coming from tom like it's encouraging that there are sectors at ncm where he and i time-wise are neck and neck like we're okay. certainly within the gray fuzzy stuff which is cool and then you know we were able to look at the differences and where he is making his time and speed on me and just working me to get better so that was very helpful do you think this is a pro drivers are better at this or is this just a Thomas better than Scott issue? 
I think any professional is probably better than I. <laughs> no, but, but... I can't but, say any, but... But you know what I mean? There's like... So there's like... There would be... I I often hear the, them say that like... Like the last thing that anybody learns how to do well, like really, really well, is break release on corner entry. And so no matter how fast you think you are, if you get out on track with a pro, a genuine pro, they are going to beat you on corner entry. Like, like, like randomly, randomly pick 10 IMSA drivers. Every single one of them will beat you on corner entry. And sure. so that that's was sort of my question was was there one of those things where it's like I'm bad at this because either because like I just haven't driven in an environment where I can see this like you don't realize how fast someone can be until you watch someone fast right like there there's a yeah. an aspect of that um but also those guys have a lot of the pro drivers just have tons and tons of laps um working on certain techniques until they can get it get it sorted yeah so i can definitely say that or i can feel like tom i was definitely better under brakes and on entry than i am um but i'm not yet to the point where that is the lowest hanging fruit to get me closer to his level of driving do you want to tell me what it is Um, or we want to keep that secret the high speed High speed corners. It's high speed stuff. Okay. And aggression in transitions. All right. That's uh, interesting. Yes. Um, which I always thought I tended to be too aggressive. Not the case. Interesting. <laughs> As it turns out. Um, so, yeah, and that showed up very distinctly because this, and as I drove NCM, it is a rhythm track. Right, and I've never prior to this considered it, but there are at least one. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five sections on track where how you do the first corner in that section determines how the rest is going to go. I can, and see you that. can kind of keep it in the margins there but if you nail the first one right the rest you're going to be set up much better for and you're not going to be chasing it and that that was pretty eye-opening for me so my question would be do you not see that at every track you go to uh not a gingerman so much uh gingerman's like this corner leads to this corner and then there's a straightaway in a breaking zone. And then later there's kind of this, these two corners kind of go together. Um, but not quite in the way that mid Ohio has a flow to it. Okay. Um, and I would, I would think I would rate NCM up there with mid Ohio in terms of flow, which prior to this weekend would have been anathema to, uh, <laughs> to, to myself to say, cause I love mid Ohio. And I really just, for some reason, just didn't like NCM. But it is, it's a tough track. It's long, but it's complex. And it really, again, like if you don't get one corner, you're really playing catch up for the next few. It's tough. Yeah. So did, okay, so the cool thing about NCM, 
for those for anybody who hasn't driven NCM. It's a it. I don't like it. Um, full full admit fully admit I don't like it. And the the reason I don't like it is because it's hard. Um, two reasons. One, like it's it genuine. Hard. It's genuinely hard, and that makes it intimidating because no matter what, um, I'm going to come off it feeling bad about myself. And we've talked about the fact that I don't like to feel bad about myself when I drive cars. Um, yes. And in the other the other thing is the um, the Armco is super intimidating. Um, I, everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, and and I think there's more runoff than I give the track credit for. Um, it does, and I was surprised in my memory to see that. Not to say that you can't absolutely bin a car there, right? But well, there I is watched somebody runoff. do it, so. But yeah. um, but there's and, and that's the thing the, where there needs to be runoff. Yeah, the very first time I ever drove at NCM, I watched somebody nose a car into the Armco on the sighting lap. So that sort of had a like psychologically has a little bit of a thing in me. But yeah. but even though I don't like it, um, I think it's of of the available tracks to people that are in that that east coast midwest area i think it's an important track because it is there's so much there that there's like there's there's not a limit to the learning opportunities um anything that you want to learn to do in a car you can learn to do at ncm and i don't say that about many tracks um you know, like like Gingerman is 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 fun as it is is limiting, right? There's only Gingerman doesn't have you know some of the big high speed stuff, and there are some tracks. You'll have to correct me with this. Road Atlanta doesn't feel like it has some of the tight sections that. I've the, never driven it, so okay. I can't talk to Somebody that. Somebody will one tell me I'm totally wrong with that, but but I feel like there's also some tracks that that don't have some of the tight stuff that really force you to to operate the car, either to come down from high speeds to low speeds, or to force you to operate the car at pretty tight speeds. And and I really do feel like NCM has kind of everything. It's got some elevation. It's got some blind corners. It's got some stuff that's fairly tight. It's got some stuff that's really big and fast. And yes. there's so much of it that you're always chasing something. Um, yes. And and so I do think it's it's I I think it's dumb for you to drive that far for a shakedown. You know, in coaching because you, you went so far. That and I get... I will I will agree with you, and I will tell that story when we're when you're ready. But on the other hand, I do think it's a spectacular track to pick for getting coaching at. Um, yeah, so when Tom and I were talking about coaching, ideally I wanted to do two different weekends with them. I wanted to go to a track where I didn't have that much experience at, to have the experience of coming up to speed on a new track to me, because I feel like that experience would be more universal wherever I went. And then I wanted to go to a track that I do have more experience at um, to refine, to more finely hone um, at least what I think I'm doing correctly and things like that at those tracks. Um, and what's crazy to me is even after this weekend, um, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there are skills and corners at NCM that I'm going to go into mid-Ohio and 
I hope this doesn't sound cocky because I'm just talking about myself, but I'm going to blow my time out of the water from last year just based on what I know. And I know that for a fact. Like it's like car changes aside, like I'm going to drive that track much better this year than I did last year. That level of confidence is very unscott. So it is. And I'm <laughs> kind of okay with it. <laughs> I'm also, cool. I'm also running on two hours of sleep, so my uh, cool. my brain filters are uh, low. So for for story time, tell us how the uh, week prior to NCM went, because this is a fun story. Oh yeah, God, I even forgot about the week before. Um, so the weekend before NCM, um, we had things to do, but and it was going to be a little tight, which I don't. I don't like to prep late, but we would be okay. So we were bleeding brakes in the garage, and I replaced the rear calipers, and front calipers are still the stop techs we used last year. And going around, you know, blood the farthest one, blood the other one, come up front, and there's a small puddle under one of my stop techs on the floor. So, okay. I touch it and feel it. Yep, it's it's brake fluid, all right. So I immediately like look at the brake bleeder. Maybe the brake bleeder's still cracked or it's leaking. No, brake bleeder was dry. All right, let's check the brake line input to the caliper. No, that's dry too. Huh. So take the bridge bolt out, take the pads out and the outer pad is soaked in brake <laughs> fluid and I was like what the hell man we drove these all last year never had a single problem and it sits in a garage that never got below freezing and just decides to start leaking from the piston seals and I cleaned it up and we were able to repeat it three times because that's how many times I need to see something unbelievable apparently <laughs> and so I'm like well I mean we leave Friday and it's Sunday like I need to I need to talk to some people <laughs> and just on a whim I go over to the driver's side and sure enough there's a small puddle under that one too I'm like, what the hell? And I look back to the rear caliper. That one's got a puddle under it. That was <laughs> that was just a brake bleeder, as it turns out. But I just, what is happening? So I got, uh, I got a friend, uh, Jeff Preston, to send to pull some seals out of a set of calipers he had a newer set of calipers he had and sent them to me two day express so that I could have them and install them a process on fancy calipers that I've never done before. I've done them on like single piston sliders and stuff. It seems a lot lower stakes, but like four piston stop tech seemed like a much bigger deal. You have to do it properly four times on each caliper. Yes. And it's, <laughs> You got to get straight, and it's kind of nerve-wracking when you don't. It's like, why'd this one push in easier than the others? 
Um, so it's like I, I like had to talk myself through it. It's like blind faith. You trusted these blindly for an entire season that, yeah, they're piston seals. They work. Just trust that this is going to work. Shut up. So I was like <laughs> coaching myself to get out of my own head. Uh, we got those together and it worked. And then a coolant line started leaking immediately afterwards. Um, and it was like the end of the night. And it's like, I can't deal with this right now. Come back the next day. Just tighten up the fittings and leak stop. So that's like sweet. All right. And then just, you know, finishing the new arrow panels that we had for it. Getting the alignment done in my own garage. Uh, you know, except it's just frantic. And I took half a day off on Friday, so I got home at noon. Went for another test drive on the brakes to be sure that nothing was leaking. Check over everything. And then Becky came home about two and she started helping packing and sorting all the tools loading the boxes and oh man it was hectic, <laughs> hectic. you don't i don't want to say you don't deal well with stress but like panicky scott is a is a much different scott than calm scott yeah yeah he is he's terrible <laughs> um now, I don't want to say a breakthrough, but um, we did have a situation at the track this weekend where I basically ended up missing half a session because we were putting the car back together and like really hustling to put it back together. And I was able to go out on track and within two corners be focused, which for those of you who know me, is not a small feat and i was actually pretty proud of that yeah i'm proud of you for that so that's, uh, it's a big deal so now if i can again take that from the racing experience that concrete experience and like put it into my life it's like that's the dream so we get there friday night um totally forgot that ncm was in central time so it's like oh hey we just <laughs> we just gained an hour <laughs> still going to bed because we're tired six and a half hour drive um you know got our tent set up because that's how we roll and um you know got everything unpacked started kind of going through the car um went out the first session on our transit wet setup because it was still a little damp that morning just to do like three laps you know work everything let's take everything apart check it and everything seemed pretty good my new shifter is amazing uh my fourth to fifth shift last year with the stock six speed was pretty slow and i you'd hit you hit the gate a lot going to sixth or going to fifth rather and now with this new shifter it's i don't have to have it occupy any brain space it's really delightful nice Except when it decided the last session on Saturday, I went to shift into fifth, and fifth wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> Where did it go? Um, like, it didn't grind. It just, there's just a void. Like, just <laughs> nothing. So I'm, like, kind of slowing down and put it back and forth. I was like, okay, fourth works. I don't hear any rattling or grinding. 
I put in the fifth, and sure enough, there it is again. That's something's happening. Like that just doesn't happen. To so go yeah. around, come back on the front straight, try to do it again. Sure enough, like it just feels weird. So come back. Um, and turns out the shifter turret bolts, all three were coming loose. Yeah. So the entire yeah, thing, yeah. the entire thing was just like floating there, basically. I don't know how it shifted <laughs> as well as it did, to be honest. So we got that one done. Um, we had some throttle body bolts break on us, which uh, fortunately we were kind of warned about from Emil going to this new gasket material, which is kind of soft and springy that uh, he broke some bolts. And so he decided to drill and tap for bigger diameter hardware. And so we didn't do that preemptively. We're just like, let's see how it goes, but let's bring everything in case we need to. So we broke a first bolt. We're like, crap. All right, well, let's find another one just to replace that one. So we did. And then another one broke immediately the session after it. So it's like, all right, well, we're drilling and tapping some stuff tonight. <laughs> Fun. So we did, and, you know, knock on wood, it's it's been good so far after that. Uh, Sunday, uh, we I was noticing on track the battery voltage on my new fancy dash kept going down and down and down until on track I was reading 9.6 volts, which is not enough for sensors to really sense much. <laughs> so now I was gonna say things things get weird below 10 volts. I and I was surprised it was running as well as it was, so I went ahead and came in. And we hooked up a multimeter to the alternator. Alternator was putting out like 12 and a half volts, which is not enough. No. So we're like, huh, all right. So we go, this is a weird story. I, I'm not very good at storytelling like you. I'm like, this happened, and then this <laughs> happened, and then we did this, and that's how it ended. Um, we had replaced this alternator coming back from NOLA. We were driving down the road and the lights just got dim and the car just like we said just wouldn't work fortunately we were close enough to bob's house he came out and rescued us but that alternator did not last long took it back the guy bench tested it so yeah it puts out 14 and a half uh, must be a wiring issue i'm like i've got a really expensive custom wiring harness in there I doubt it, but you're right. I didn't check. Let's go back. So I took the same alternator back with us. We tested continuity. We tested alternator input voltage. All that was good. And it's like, it has to be the alternator. Like bench, bench test be damned. It's the alternator. So we got a new alternator and uh, the problem's fixed. <laughs> How about Fantastic. Reman alternators are the worst i'm finding yeah there's when i did when uh, the alternator on the accord was getting noisy um i went for a like a denso a full denso one and it you know cost twice as much as it as it was but like you've experienced four times as much Ooh, 
Did, oh, you got the Honda, you got, because you have a Honda, or you have a, you have uh, a Honda in there now, so you're running the full Denso. I'm not yet, because choking down a $420 brand new Denso alternator, I crap you not. I swear mine was only like 170 or something. And they vary widely depending on the proper K engine code. I was fine. Yeah, see, I have the, I got the crappy K, so I probably also get the cheaper alternator. So. Apparently, because mine doesn't need to spin to eleven billion RPMs. Mine's just like whatever. It's <laughs> tank. Basically, yeah, it's just, it's a crappy Accord, so nobody cares. But uh, so I'm, I think I'm gonna look for like a low mileage junkyard one, as long as it's got like a Honda stamp on it, like just right. As and as a well, spare. The good thing, we're just going to start. The good thing is, uh, you know, nobody spends the money to if, if you see it in the junkyard and it's the actual Denso one, you know, it's the stock alternator because nobody spends that money to put uh, a second alternator <laughs> no. on the car. So, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I gasped, <laughs> like audibly gasped when I saw the price tag on that. I'm like, if it's in yeah. the 200s, like, uh, fine, I do it. But I saw 400 something and I'm like, absolutely not. I just I can't. I can't. Yeah. So, replace that. Um, we're working with a battery company, um, Valkyrie Engineering, that makes a drop-in battery kit, like super lightweight lithium kit for the uh, NANB Miata. And uh, they came out and were great. It's it's just a super slick kit, and uh, I'm pretty pretty excited on it. And. Uh, yeah, we went out and you know got a lot of point buys by cars I normally wouldn't think we'd get point buys from and had a good time. And so didn't quite get the time I was aiming for, but again, like I know where it is. I know how to get it. Just need to go do it. So we packed up, kind of parted ways. Um, Tomo actually just right before we got on sent a uh, like a wrap up summary email with like the big ideas and some specific things on at that track in particular but also the big ideas in terms of again what my car likes and doesn't like my tendencies um, pre-race things um, strategy yeah all kind of all that stuff that we had talked about over the weekend just like get it down on paper so it's there so i just got that i haven't been able to read through it yet because i'm talking to you that's how important, important you things. are to me Time to do important things yeah i know even though last week you were freaking out and you were like i can't record my brakes are leaking and i'm so glad i didn't i needed every <laughs> hour of time last week that i possibly could um so yeah we packed up got on the road um you know, and Saturday night was the time change, and then the drive back Sunday. The drive back's always worse, and we were losing right. another hour in the drive back from Central to Eastern time, even though, like, we basically go straight north. Right. Um, and it was going fine. You know, we had our two energy drinks to kind of kick us off and get down the road. Becky was being a killer DJ, and we are... I crap you not less than five minutes from the house and 
pulling to a stop at a red light and starting again, the car made the worst sound and a massive clunk from the back end. <laughs> and we were only like doing five, like it was like a first gear takeoff and just like a right. And like the it shook and I'm Oh God. You so killed like, it. Yeah, I mean, I immediately, honestly, like, that's either, like, catastrophic wheel-bearing failure or a diff just blew up on the softest launch of all time. <laughs> because, like, I've had wheel-bearings go, and I know what they feel like, and it's like, that was this noise, but the clunk was absolutely, like, something terrible. <laughs> So we immediately stopped throwing the hazards. Um, cop happened to be like driving by at, at, right when we pulled over virtually. And it's cold too, by the way. We're driving up and it's mid-low 30s <laughs> in a car right. that doesn't have heat. I mean, our feet are properly numb by this point. So we're shivering our butts off. So we unhook our trailer. We like tr jack it up and like I'm looking f – I'm – the the diff arm that's got to be broken no the diff the diff arm's fine all right uh cv joint's got to be puking fluid no cv joint was fine um i mean you obviously can't see inside the diff unless the insides are on the outsides and right they weren't um but yeah like i went to like roll the car forward and it just sounded terrible like awful <laughs> and so it's like well <laughs> I guess we're getting a flatbed because this thing can't be towed. Right. And my car and flatbeds, as I think any race car -er would think, the approach angles are not friendly. So we wait 20 minutes. Uh, a delightful kid from the local college working for a flatbed company comes out and we load it on and scrape my brand new under tray that I worked very hard on all you know until I got and I was just oh sick but of course they also couldn't load our trailer onto it because the bed wasn't long enough right. so Becky had to our plan was to have Becky stay with the cop and the trailer we would go drop the car off and then come back and of course he's like I'm gonna have to charge you twice for this because it's two toes I'm like fine <laughs> it's like it's two in the morning I'm tired I'm freezing cold fine take my money so we get in the truck and we're about to take off and the truck doesn't really move and the lights are super <laughs> dim <laughs> The headlights you've are killed. The you've killed the truck now too. The lights are barely on at all. I'm like, <laughs> I've seen this. Your alternator shot. <laughs> <laughs> and this poor kid like instantly says, "It's like, you know, it's been in the shop all week. We told the owners and everybody like, don't put this truck into service." And they said, "Nah, take it. It'll be fine." And I'm like, "Okay, okay." So they called truck number two. 30 minutes later, 
sitting in the back of a cop car trying to stay warm. Second truck shows up. This guy shows up hot. He is pissed <laughs> off that this kid <laughs> used my toe straps to strap it down. He's like with me standing at the back of the truck and him like at the side. He's like, I just would have strapped it to the axles. And I said, the hell you are. <laughs> It's like, I will leave this car on the <laughs> side of the road before you pull that. He doesn't even, like, make eye contact with me. He goes and talks to the cop, like, with us standing there, but, like, with his back turned, talking about what, what he was planning on doing. I'm like, dude, I'm, like, I'm right here. Like, right. would you like to include me in on this? So it was on the bed of the first truck, and obviously they couldn't take the car off of it because there's no battery. Right. battery was dead so this guy was like well i could back my truck up and he said drag it from bed to bed despite the height difference on the beds and i said you can pull back and we can talk about it well it turns out something else blah 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 and so he couldn't do that anyway thank god so they call the maintenance <laughs> truck <laughs> So we go back in the cop car to stay warm. Those two are up in truck number two that actually works. And so we wait for the maintenance truck. And I am looking at Becky and basically I, I said, like, if anything starts to happen, you just discreetly start videotaping it because I'm about to come to blows with an old dude and a college kid. College kid was actually really cool. So the maintenance truck finally shows up. They get truck number one fired up at least, charged up at least to, like, get to their shop. And so they take my car off of the flatbed on of truck number one, once again scraping my really nice Amazing handiwork, yeah. And, okay, fine. And, of course, the rear rear just sounds terrible still. And then uh, driver number two backs up. He's apparently had a chance to woo-saw himself, and he's in a much different state, so we're okay. But this truck is newer but has a worse approach angle. So I am, Becky and I are hanging off of the rear of the car trying to get the nose as high as we can, and it's dragging. <laughs> and it's, of course, got those, like, metal grip things all the way across just like right oh my god seth my heart my heart <laughs> so and he's using the the proper toe straps and toe hooks which i'm grateful for we didn't even have to address that got it strapped down and so it's like all right the cop is like just being like the most paid he's like doing digital paperwork on the rest of whatever he needs to do he's like yeah if i get a call like i gotta go but i'll stay here as long as i can so it's like okay <laughs> bye becky <laughs> <laughs> so we get on get the car in the driveway push it into the garage uh becky gets there with the trailer push that into the garage unload go to sleep at four 15 in the morning uh our alarms are set for 6 10 
because we have to work to be able to afford things like tow trucks. <laughs> and um, I don't, it's like one of those sleeps, I don't remember falling asleep. I can't, I remember laying there thinking, man, I wonder when, how, how long I'm going to be buzzing and when I fall asleep. Next thing I know, my alarm clock's going off. And so all day today, you know, I'm kind of, starts out okay don't really feel it and it's like i'm gradually like tapering off to like silly goofy no <laughs> no no filters scott towards the end of the day here and um so after work I come home i change clothes i put on my coveralls which by the way if you don't have a set of coveralls to work on your car or motorcycle you need to get some they're amazing yeah absolutely and they're like 60 70 bucks for like the pretty good ones off amazon like there's no right. reason you shouldn't have them no uh, it makes such a difference when you can like get gross and then just stand in the middle of your garage and be like boom gross gross clothes are gone quick release pants and, um yeah just like exactly like that so my plan was, you know, get the car in position, get enough room to work on it, uh, get the car in hover mode, and drain the diff fluid first. Just thinking about it like, okay, yeah, it may have sounded like a wheel bearing, which I guess it could still be, but like the clunk, like something happened. Right. So um, we had also noticed that the inside of the wheel barrel on the rear left had a scratch all the way around it huh which is very strange and didn't really square with anything so i'm separate incidents but these are like my brand new wheels too which kind of hurt right hurts my soul so i'm like all right first thing drain the diff fluid if it comes out all glittery and chunky all right i've got a hookup for the next one <laughs> put in another one go from there Drain the fluid. Fluid looks okay. Okay. So it's not the diff. Go to the wheel and I, I you know, I before I lifted it up, I pushed the car forward and back and it sounds terrible. Once it's up in the air, I turn the wheel. It sounds terrible. But there's no play. And that's what we noticed on the side of the highway too. Like there's no play that you'd normally feel if it's wheel bearing failure but it's like stranger things have happened like an alternator that te bench tests fine is bad right so i take it off take the wheel off and i'm like looking at the rotor and i rotate it and i'm like i start looking at the caliper and the caliper is making contact with the rotor huh. and i instantly knew so I grab the caliper, and sure enough, it hinges. Yeah. The lower bolt deuced out. Yep. And so the scratch on the inside of the wheel was apparently just the right amount of braking force swung the caliper into the uh, right. into the wheel and gouged it. So... If there's any lessons to be learned here, and we're pretty thorough with our checks 
with our maintenance routines. And something that we had done previously but wanted to do even more of was paint pen everything. Right. Because you can nut and bolt the entire suspension and feel good about it for how many curbs do you feel good about that? Like how many miles do you feel good about that? But if you paint pin it, one, it saves a ton of time. You just look, do the marks line up? Yes, you're good. Do they not line up? Should probably be addressed right now. Yeah. And we didn't do that. So I have a green paint marker on the way and I'm going to nut and bolt the entire suspension chassis of the car and i'm gonna paint marker every single stupid thing after i get a new rotor and a new wheel (laughs) we were we were just discussing uh whatever not not quite two weeks ago my daughter and i the fact that um the thing there there's two things on motorcycles when you're when you're race prepping them that are super super important like the thing one any place oil goes in or out needs to be safety wired shut Okay. So that means the drain plug, the fill, and if it's got a filter, um, safety wired, so it can't loosen itself. Okay. The second most important thing always, no matter what, is the brake caliper bolts. Yes. Are safety wired to each other so they may not come out. Um, and she was like, why don't they do this in cars? And I said, honestly, because they never fall out. Literally what I told her in the garage two weeks ago. Oh, you're going to have to tell your daughter that you're a liar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it actually happened to a friend of mine in uh, in undergrad, too. Um, and we were able to basically find out, I think it was a wheel stud that happened to be like okay. just the right length and pitch to basically hold it in place to make it home. <laughs> but, yeah, that... It's now I feel like I need to, to go over like how to safety wire caliper bolts. What's got? That's a YouTube series. Which I know they right don't there. do in cars. That's not they a don't. thing that they do in cars. No. But maybe maybe so, they should. Maybe. So that's my weekend. Uh I mean, to be honest I only knew that I, I I I didn't even know to anybody who's listening, I had no idea no. the whole the whole car tow truck thing. This is all new to me. This is fascinating. I thought we were just gonna talk about driving on track and it's yeah. so much more. Yeah. So yeah, and that's really was almost best case scenario. I mean, we don't have to replace a wheel bearing now. We don't have to replace a diff. We just have to get one new bolt and replace a right. rotor. I mean, that's yeah. best case scenario in in, in the yeah. realm of possibilities at this point. So, yeah. So now we the car can be ready and you can be confident yep. in it. Yep. Um, in short order, so. And so we, yeah, we'll get prepped for NCM in a month, and uh, we'll go back down there with, um, with some confidence, at least in knowing where I can, that I'm not slow there, uh, and that I've there's more time, and I, up to a certain point, I certainly know where to get it, and I think by following certain people, I can at least figure out what I would need to do to, to get the rest of the way. When you picked that time, your target time, was that based on uh, like 
other people you need to be close to? Is that what you were no, was, you're gunning for? It's kind that... of based on the data's. Uh, it doesn't really have a theoretical, but comparing my data to itself, where I was losing, where I was gaining time, and okay. it all added up to um, kind of what we were trying to ballpark for. And I was I was knocking on the door, knocking on it. And I was like consistently getting, getting down there, just couldn't quite get there. So, um, I'm, do you know if that makes you competitive? I mean, do you know what what race times there should be? Yeah, the um, it, it's not front of the field, um, but I think it's. I'm usually somewhere in the like five to six and a half seconds back from like the front front runners, and my time here puts me a little closer on the close end, if not a little under that. I love how cagey you're being. This is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think for, for me too, it's like, I'm, I'm really trying to stick with the mindset that like I'm going and I'm, I'm going to get the time, especially in qualifying. I'd really like to get it, but I'm going to get the time. I know that the car certainly capable of cars capable of more than what i'm trying to do tom showed it right. on like his second hot lap um <laughs> that's so annoying it's <laughs> um it's just what he does it's the air he breathes and yeah but it's like i want to go out there and i want to do that and then i want to race with other people but fully in my car doing what right. i can do like that's that's why i'm excited about going and that's a pretty big mind shift for me from last year to this year i like that i do too i'm i'm yeah i'm 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 fairly excited to see if that lives up to your expectations yeah i think part of what will help too i mean granted ncm is going to kind of be the outlier but now that we've cars really largely unchanged from last year to this year but now we have like benchmark times from last year. And I think my goal this year is just gonna be beat myself from the okay. last time I was there. And kind of like I said earlier, based on what I learned at NCM, I absolutely have the, not to be pole sitter winning races, I don't, I don't think we're there, but to absolutely drive the car better and perform better compared to where we were last year i don't think that's a question at this point so that that excites me cool the the arrow changes you made are minor in the scheme of things yeah very minor um really that rear wing we put on in time for uh midwest festival on nola last year that's a way bigger change than anything we did in the off season. So we're still running that and it's still, it's still actually exceeding our expectations in terms of what we kind of expected it to do. So, you know, it's as right, r- right now it's kind of running as is, uh, Tim has some really harebrained crazy ideas that <laughs> we might try for the one lap, but we'll see. Yeah. He usually has, he's, he's got a bunch of those floating around in his head. So I, I watched the uh, 
when I got done with the the tiny bike racing that we did, I I found the the streams from from Coda yeah. for the GLTC races, and I know those are they're not necessarily representative of what's going to happen because you know the whole field isn't there. Right. Um, it's just the people who decided that winter sucks and they need to drive to Texas, or they already <laughs> were in Texas. Yeah. And I will say that the pointy end of the field looks pretty pointy. Yes. Um, and at, um, at Coda, Coda is a, a weird track though. Yes. And a lot of the pointy people showed up for Coda. Right. Um, much to our mutual friends chagrin because he was the only one like in that bracket of GLTC that had a working running car all weekend. So he's kind of, by right. Himself. Yeah. So, so Brian did have his car there. Um, so anybody who, Watched the stream and saw the the blue Civic running around way at the back after the first lap. Um, he ten, the, the good news is he was ten seconds ten faster. seconds faster than um, the last time he drove that car there, um, which is he was actually on less tire width wise, yep. um, but S- stickier. Primarily, it's yeah stickier but I, I, so i think the tires were comparable i think it more has to do with improvements to brian and uh and arrow improvements to the car because yep. other than the tires or other than the arrow the the car is largely the same and his um, his race starts um down into the first corner were significantly improved he made great leaps there yeah um, so I'm very excited to see him get that car on a, a track that doesn't have that sort of bigness to it because Coda's you know giant and open and and certainly the cars at the pointy end had some had some fastness to them if I if I can continue yes. to make up words that make no sense. Yes. Um, so yeah, and it was it was getting, fun to watch. And actually, this time around, I didn't have any like FOMO watching it because we were actually working in the garage when we were watching it and virtually crew chiefing for Brian. And, uh, I mean, it's fun to see the guys that I usually battle with and kind of where they were in that pack, knowing that were I to be on my game, that that would kind of be where I would most likely be. And that's, that was, I mean, that's certainly couch bench raising but i mean it was still it's still good to see but yeah the pointy right. end is there's gltc again to be in the mid pack at gltc and you look around yourself and find yourself to be average gltc has a lot of incredibly well prepped cars and a lot of amazing drivers yeah so it's going to be, I'm excited to watch this year. Um, unfortunately, the my tiny motorcycle racing and GLTC keep overlapping with each other, um, which is just one of those things. Apparently, those two series don't uh, confer with each other on scheduling just rude. for some reason. Yeah. But uh, I will definitely be paying attention to uh, as much as I can to what you guys are doing at NCM yeah. and seeing how that goes. So I'm excited. Me too. And you think you think the the whole uh, Tom O'Gorman uh, coaching experience, and um, I don't know what it costs to to hire Tom for a day, 
Um, but that all seems not just worth it in, in sort of a holistic, I have learned things since, but in a, you know, I spent money that I could have spent another way. And I think that was a good way to spend money way since. I could not have gained the awareness, speed, confidence, and knowledge of myself in the car in the amount of time that we spent down there with any part that I could have put on the car by orders of magnitude. Okay. Um, for me, I've... I've always been aware that's like, I always felt like I'm an okay driver, but where the K motor was like the low hanging fruit to get quicker the last time around, I think I'm the lowest hanging fruit at this point to get the car quicker. There's a lot of other stuff I wanna hit the buy now button on right now, um, <laughs> but I've got tow truck bills to pay, so that's, uh, that ain't uh, happening. Yeah. Fortunately, we were only five but, miles, so the mileage rate wasn't bad. Yeah, but but normally um, the the advice is seat time, right? Seat time, seat time. Like, we're going to get seat time. I'm going to get better because I do more laps. I'm going to learn things because I do more laps, yada, yada. And you certainly, yeah. like, there's a, there's, a, there's a cost thing, right? So you, my, my question would be, do you, you sacrificed seat time from a money standpoint, and you traded sure. that for, for, for time with Tom. Sure. And you think that was a, from a, in, in a, a time gained on track experience, whatever standpoint, that's a fair trade? I'll answer it by saying I will be doing it again. All right. And I would like to do it a lot more. <laughs> but money is i mean he's he's a professional i mean that's that's he's right. very good at putting things into terms that you are familiar with we were talking in uh water and snow ski terms because that's okay uh, a language because that, that's what you do that's that's what i do and he used to snow ski so he knows enough about it to 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 talk about that stuff um i mean i would to be honest like if i could hire him for an entire season just to be my coach you better believe I would do that. Now, I want him to keep driving because, like, as he kept saying, like, driving is what makes Tom Tom. So it's like if you take that right. away from him, he becomes less Tom. But if I could have my cake and eat it, I'd want my Tom and have him drive too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, anybody who's um who's thought about it um, – I do highly recommend it. Uh, Tom was great. If you've got somebody who's regionally closer to you, great. But just the get a coach, get somebody who's don't even worry about like if they're better than you, but can they see what you are doing and translate that to helping you understand how to improve? And if you can find that person for you, keep them around. That's that's gonna yeah. be important. Yeah. Well, this has been this has been enlightening, not only from the coaching standpoint, but from the 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 Scott dealing with the <laughs> tow truck adversity things. I was I was is, laughing until that second driver showed up, and then I got pissed. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be. It could it can be hard to deal with that in the middle of the night when you realize that guy probably got dragged out of bed. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't want to deal with this. And it's not that he's pissed off at you. He's just pissed off. Yeah. I get and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in, in retrospect, it, it's... They were good you guys. You will laugh at the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. It's absolutely a story we will tell for a long time. Uh, just right. sucks. <laughs> So yeah, and spare caliper bolts steal those out of a uh, a junkyard car and uh, alternator and alternator you carry a spare alternator. Uh, apparently that's if a, you yeah that's that's the problem dumb. with your tiny little dumb driving to the racetrack thing. We've, we've got room. Is it also not much. We've got a little bit of room. We've got <laughs> alternator room. Let me say that. And this is this is coming from a guy who. Uh, we we raced an hour and 20 minutes of our four lap race because i didn't have a spare that's um, right yeah at our thing as well so i'm i'm currently heavy on the spares bandwagon right now and i'm i've spent the last two weeks ordering other spares and um organizing spares into their own little boxes that are labeled and, yeah, and all of that stuff because you know, for want of a $35 part, we missed the majority of an endurance race. Yep. So. We are track walking. <laughs> we, we are track walking. Uh, we are at track walking podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Track walking chats is the Facebook group. Um, yeah. Post there more. I'm more curious. It's I'm more curious to hear what you guys are thinking and weird things that creep into your little weird brains and stuff like that um leave us a rating and review smash that subscribe button is a thing people say and uh i'll let seth do his his hosting duties so for this week uh i'm seth and i said duty duty did say duty (laughs) i'm scott (laughs) And we are track walking. We will see you next week. I'm so tired.